listening to audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit twinvillageschurch.org. This morning we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. We'll be learning about, like I mentioned already, this man Enoch. Last week, we spent time learning about um, Abel um, and his brother Cain and the faith that Abel had, Um, and it came down to the issue or the attitude of the heart of Abel and the heart of Cain. Remember, Cain had a heart of rebellion and anger towards God, and it it was that sinful heart that produced the sinful deed of murdering his son and just the cold heartedness that he had towards not his son, his brother, and the cold hardness that he had towards, towards God as well, where Abel had a, a heart of gratitude and a heart of obedience. And we saw that because of that faith that he had, it played out in the offering and the sacrifices that he brought to his God and that he still speaks to this day. His testimony and his life still speaks loudly today. So this morning we're going to learn about this man, this man Enoch. All right, who is a relatively obscure man in the Bible. We don't know much about this man, but we do know that his life ended in a pretty remarkable and extraordinary way. So let me read for us Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, and then I will pray, and then we will have some fun this morning in God's words. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for um, just the, the privilege it is and the honor it is and just the joy it is to, to gather here this morning. Lord, to, to spend time in fellowship, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in song, and now to, to sit under the teaching of your words. Lord, I pray that you would give us all um, uh, just ears to hear and, and a mind to understand your truth this morning. It is nothing about the words that I'm going to speak. It's going to be about your words speaking through me and into our hearts and into my heart and into those who may be listening online or who may listen later on this week. Lord, you tell us that your word does not return void. You tell us that your word sanctifies us and changes us. So Lord, I pray, Lord, for those things to happen this morning, Lord, that your spirit would be moving and working in our hearts and in our minds. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. So as I mentioned last week, and as I'll mention probably almost every single week for the next few months, right, when we start talking about these these people of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we need to keep the definition of faith in the forefront of our minds. Faith is this assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Right, there's an assurance and a conviction that each of these people had that led to just this, this dynamic way that they lived their life. There was a certainty and a confidence that they had that fueled the way that they lived. Now, they didn't do it perfectly. 
Right? They didn't do it. They weren't perfect, but they lived their lives in such a way that they sought to please God and do what he called them to do. And so this morning we arrive at this man, Enoch. Right? So we need to spend a few minutes just kind of talking about what do we really know about this man. Now it's a little bit easy because the Bible tells us right, that he, he pleased God. Right, so it, it, we, it removes some of that maybe doubt that we may have in our, man, in our minds. Why met this man Enoch? Who was he? And if he pleased God, why are there really only two verses kind of in Hebrews chapter 11 that talk about this man? So we think about even just last week, right, we had Abel and now we have Enoch. Right, now Abel died. Abel experienced death, probably a horrific death at the hands of his brother Cain. Enoch did not experience death. He was taken away. He was taken up. Abel was murdered. His body lay on the ground. His body was was found. Enoch was gone and no one could find him. So they stand, there's a contrast here, even just with these two men, but both of these men are examples of faith of assurance, and of conviction. So who was this man, Enoch? Well, we can go to Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 to 24, and we can read these words. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. All right, so even just in those four verses, right, there's this phrase, Enoch walked with God in verse 22, and then Enoch walked with God in verse 24. So I think the point is, is that Enoch walked with God. There was something about the way that this man lived. Right now, if we think about this time in history, right, Enoch is living prior to the floods. Right, he's living prior to, to Noah. And in Genesis chapter 6, the world is described as wicked, evil, corrupt, and violent. And this is the world in which this man lived and this man walked with God. I think one of the things that's, that's, that's nice about Enoch, right, when we think about the world in which he lived, wicked, evil, corrupt, violent, where we can be like, yeah, I get that, right? We live in an evil, wicked, and corrupt, and violent world ourselves. But Genesis says that he walked with God. Hebrews says that he pleased God. And those two ideas, the walking with God and living a life pleasing to God, those are synonyms. Those are the same ideas. So the author of Hebrews is taking that idea of walking, saying that it means that he pleased God. So he's almost defining what it means to walk with God. He had a close relationship with his God. He was devoted There was a sense of reverence and awe that Enoch had for his gods. He had this ongoing, intimate, close relationship 
with his God. He had this assurance and this conviction about his gods. And so you think about Enoch. He lived 365 years, and then he's gone. You think about the reaction, the response of the community, his neighborhood, his neighbors. You know, have, have you seen? It's been a few days. Think about his family, his wife, and his children. Right? They, they don't know what ha- he just He's just not there anymore. He lived, and he lived a life that would have stood out against the culture of wickedness and evil and corruption and, and violence. He wasn't perfect, but man, he stood out. He was different. He was a light, and he's gone. Then we can read in Luke chapter 3, verse 37, that, that Enoch is in the genealogy of Jesus. He's the seventh generation from, from Adam. And then we get to the book of Jude. Jude chapter 4, Jude, excuse me, verses 14 through 16. And we read these words. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands, with ten thousands of his holy ones, to execute a judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and all and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I think the theme here is ungodliness. These are grumblers, malcontents. Followers of their own sinful desires, they are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. So we know that Enoch was this man who walked with God, who had this close, intimate relationship with God, this assurance and this conviction of who his God is, and therefore how Enoch is now supposed to live. He lived in a very wicked and evil and corrupt, violent world, but yet he was preaching the message of God's judgment. I'm going to guess that he wasn't super popular. Right? So when Enoch disappears, when God takes him, his family was probably devastated. They're probably searching for answers. Maybe the community was kind of like, thank you. I don't have to hear his mouth anymore. Judgment from God, ungodliness. Glad that's over. This is who Enoch was. Right? His faith played out, if you will, in the in the public arena of his life. He wasn't afraid to speak truth. He wasn't afraid to speak the words that God was telling him to speak about judgment and ungodliness. And so we can identify with the culture of Enoch. It's really easy. It doesn't take much to just jump online and you see the evil and the sin and the corruption. You see it. You You can't escape it. But the question is, 
Can we identify with his faith? Right, Because it's really easy to, to look at the world we live in and say, yep, evil, sinful, wicked, violent, you name it. But this man Enoch walked with God. He sought to, to please God. So that means that as much as Enoch was seeing the world and the culture around him, he was aware of his own heart. And that's where it gets difficult. Right? That's where the work comes in. Right? Because we can sit here, I can sit here, right? And I'm really good at it at times. I can point out all the injustices. I can point out the lack of morality in the world and the the moral failures of people. All the while ignoring or excusing the sin of my own life. So it has to start with our own, our own hearts. It needs to start here. And Enoch was a man that, that walked with God. Enoch was a man who pleased God. Enoch was a man who, who had this confidence and this assurance and conviction of his God and who he was, and he sought to please him. And that means that he had to be doing work in his own heart and dealing with the sin that was in his own heart, all the while speaking against what he saw in the culture and in the world's. This is who this man, Enoch, was. And so the author of Hebrews says this, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. He lives in such a way, he had such a faith, he had such a conviction and such an assurance that, that just showed itself in just the way that he lived his life in pleasing his God. Pleasing his God to the extent that God said, I'm taking you home now. Boom. Gone. So as much as Enoch was bearing testimony about his God, God bore testimony about his son Enoch and brought him home. And he, had, he, just, he, he, was, he was commended by his, by his God for his faith, his faith that, that just played itself out in the way that he lived his life, even within the world and the culture in which he lived. Right? And it seems impossible. Right? It seems impossible. Right? Well, here, here's the beauty, and here's the, here's the beauty of the gospel, right? Is that in Christ, we are commended as having pleased God. Not because of what we've done, but because of Jesus. Right? That, that's the beauty and the power of the gospel. We're commended as having pleased God because of Jesus. He's accomplished that for us. So he's taken because of his faith that he had in his God. And people knew his faith and could see his faith by the way that he walked and the way that he lived his life. Verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11 
says this, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Right? So it, it's, the, it's the faith that Enoch had. Right? And, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're a works person, right, if, you like, if, you, if you like a checklist of things to do and not to do, right, the warning here is don't focus on those things. Focus on the faith that Enoch had, the assurance and the conviction that he had in his God. That stands in the forefront. It is the faith of Enoch that drove his life. It's the faith of Enoch that enabled him, that made it possible for him to live a life, to, to walk with God, and to please God. It wasn't perfect. Enoch sinned. But he was characterized as a man who drew near to his God. You would have to have faith like Enoch to live in the world that Enoch lived. Because it wasn't going to be very many generations later where God's going to say, I'm done and I'm going to flood the earth. I've had it with this world and with the sin and the corruption that's in this world. So Enoch had to have this, this, this assurance and this conviction of his God. Because why would he live the way that he lived with everything else going on around him? Why would he speak the words that Jude says he spoke with all these things swirling in the world around him? He had to have assurance and he had to have conviction in his gods. Now, I can sit here and tell you that I don't always, ready for this, don't have assurance and conviction in my God. Now, I can have it in a lot of other things, things that I control, right? Things that I can, I can use, but not always in my, my gods. A part of my testimony is just this pursuit of three things. Sports, money, and intellect. And those were what I was staking my life on. And God, in His grace and in His mercy, systematically took each of those three things from me to show me that it's not about those things. It's about me. I played basketball in high school. I played basketball for a year in college. Love basketball. I was pretty good at basketball. I mean, when you're six, seven, it helps a lot. Right? But it was, my, it was my freshman year in college when I had knee issues. And that was back in the day. I'm dating myself where they didn't do laparoscopic stuff. They actually cut your knee open to fix your knee. And I was like, no thanks, I'm good. Right? But all my identity, all my, my security was in my ability to play basketball, and God took that away from me. Right? I went to school, I got a biology environmental science degree. Why? Well, because environmental science, well, why? Because I couldn't do medical stuff, because I couldn't do calculus, if I'm honest here. But we can back up and say the next most appealing field was environmental science, because that was like the upcoming thing. That's where all the money was going to be. So I'm like, hey, I can do that. Right? And so I went to school, got a biology environmental science degree, graduated from college, started working in my fields, and 
maybe a year after I graduated, realized that, man, I like doing ministry more than I like doing this in biology, environmental science stuff, and God took that from me and said, yeah, you're not doing that, you're doing this. And then it was money, right? And, and don't hear me say this isn't, this isn't a plea for money. This church is unbelievably generous and gracious towards me and to my family, and we are, we are good financially, so don't hear those words. But what I do want you to hear is the fact that I was making a lot of money. And that's, well, there was a lot of security in that. And God graciously took that and said, no, it's not about that. So you have to have this assurance. And I'm sure everyone, we have these stories that we could share about what God has done and how we've been, He's removed things from our lives to bring us back to Himself or to make Himself clearer or more, or more just in the forefront of our minds. Right? And that's the way that Enoch was living his life. It was just he was, God was there and everything else was kind of in the periphery. But it was God and He was there and He loved him and He sought to please him. And that's why the author of Hebrews can write, without faith it is impossible to please God. It's impossible, right? It's not without faith it is more challenging to please God. It is not without faith it takes more effort to please God. It's not without faith more things are uncertain when you go to please God. Or without faith it's less likely that you're going to please God. No, it's without faith it is impossible to please God. And the author of Hebrews has already talked about this word and mentioned impossible three other times in chapter 6, verse 4. And it's just this idea of us having this, this high-handed denial of Jesus and who He is and of His gospel. And it's, it, there's, no, there's no hope for you if, if that's how you live your life. You do that. Chapter 6, verse 18, it's impossible for God to lie. In chapter 10, verse 4, it is impossible for the blood of animals to do what only the blood of Jesus can do, and that's to reconcile us back to, to God. So it is impossible, right? It's impossible to please God unless you have faith. What does it mean to have this this? This, this faith that, that, that the author of Hebrews is saying, like, this man Enoch had. Well, man, man he, he, was, he was drawing near to God. For whoever would draw near to God. Right? Remember, Enoch walked with God. Enoch pleased God. Enoch was in this tight relationship, this close relationship with his God. He was drawing near to him. He was walking in step with his God. Now, the author of Hebrews has also talked about drawing near two other times before. In chapter 4, verse 16, is that we can draw near to God because of the sinless life of Jesus. And in chapter 7, verse 25, we can draw near to God because Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. So there's this sense of you, you, you want to you start seeing, have this faith and you need to be drawing near to, to God. 
There's two ways that the author of Hebrews tells us. Number one is that you must believe that He exists and you must and that He rewards those, excuse me, who, who seek Him. Okay, now that, that word must is kind of governing that last part of uh, verse, verse 6. So these are things that must happen. Okay, must happen. Okay, these are, these are necessities in your life if you wish to draw near to God in faith, because without faith it is impossible to please God. You have to believe that He exists. Literally, in the Greek it is, you must believe that He is. It's, it's that simple. Right now, it, it, but it goes, it, it's simple, but we have to like think through this a little bit. Right? Because we can believe that He is. You can say, oh yeah, I, I believe in God, and not live your life like you believe that there's a God. James makes this abundantly clear in James chapter 2, verse 19, where he says that even the demons believe and shudder. So the demons believe in God. They believe in Him, but they're not living their lives, and they shudder, but they're not living their lives in a way that's going to please God. And what's just like on a side note, that means that there's no atheistic demons, by the way, if they believe, Right? So this belief means that you believe that He is, but that belief needs to then therefore play itself out in how you live and and seeking, again, and this is number two, to, to please Him. So this means that we must believe in the God of the Old Testament, the God who created, the God who worked miracles, the God who kept His promises. The God who lovingly rewarded His people. The God who lovingly and graciously warned His people. We need to believe in in that God. And we need to believe in the God of the New Testament as revealed in Jesus. And this is the, the, the point of the book of Hebrews. Remember how the book of Hebrews starts. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God has spoken to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the worlds. Right? Jesus is the final and finest revelation that God has given us about who He is. If you see Jesus, you've seen God's. We must believe that He exists. We must believe that God is. And number two, that He rewards those who seek Him. Right, that God is faithful to His promises, and if you seek Him, there's rewards, right? And that ultimate reward is eternity with Him in heaven, being in His presence for all of eternity. So faith is the assurance and the conviction Right? That, that includes this belief in God and His existence and who He is and the fact that He is absolutely trustworthy. And if we have faith, if we believe in His Son Jesus and what He has done for us in paying for our sins and taking the wrath of God upon Himself 
And it's because of Jesus that we have eternity with, with God's. And Jesus actually sits at the right hand of God the Father interceding on our behalf. If we believe all of those things, we are going to be rewarded with eternity. That's why the author of Hebrews can say in chapter 10, verse 34, 35, excuse me, do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw away the assurance that you have and the conviction that you have. Do not throw it away. Because it is that where there is great rewards. So we need to believe that He exists and we must seek Him. Let's have some fun. (laughs) Back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says that by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found. So, the implication there is that people were seeking Enoch. Okay, the words, and so when, when you, and this is kind of geeky, I understand that, but it's helpful to understand what it means to seek. All right, the idea behind that phrase and that word that he could not be found is that there's a searching that's taking place, right? That people were looking for Enoch. I'm going to go out on a limb and say if nobody, at least his wife was probably looking for him, right? Dinner's on the table, where is he? But with that is also this, 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 this idea that it can just be an unexpected kind of discovery. Or there, there's maybe an element of chance involved with the, the finding. So kind of like one of these like, hey, whoa, hey, look what I found. Or I, I was looking for this, but I also found this. Right, that's what it means. That's what it means that they were looking for Enoch. Now, when you get to verse 6, and it says that God rewards those who seek Him, it's a different words. They both mean to, to seek or to search, but it's a different words. And in verse 6, that word means that there's a considerable effort being undertaken by the person to learn something or find something. They're seeking diligently for something. There is no element of chance or unexpectedness. So what's that mean? It means if we're, going to, we're not going to stumble into a relationship with God. We're not going to stumble into walking with Him and pleasing Him. We need to work to do that. And if we leave it up to chance, that's a problem. Because where's the assurance and where's the conviction? It's not lying in God and who He is and that He exists. And we must seek Him. It's kind of like, well, maybe maybe if I just do this over here, I'll find Him. There's work that needs to take place. It's the opposite of Romans chapter 3, verse 11, where Paul says that no one understands and no one seeks after God. The other people are saying, no, you, you need to seek 
after him, you need to be disciplined and you need to put forth an effort. You're not going to stumble into this. Right? Enoch lived in these dark, hostile days, days that he did not agree with, days that did not match the faith that he had in his gods. But yet he resisted the sin, he resisted the corruption that was in the world, that was in the culture, and he said, I need to draw near to God and to walk with him. I need to walk with him. So Enoch serves as an example for these first hearers, right? The first ones who maybe would, who have heard, who would have heard this letter read to them. That in the face of, of mounting pressure, in the face of trials and suffering and questioning, maybe, maybe we should go back to, to the temple way of word. Maybe we should just, because I mean, there's a lot of heat coming on us right now. And he's saying, no, right? Seek him. Look at Enoch. Seek him. Seek God. Know that he exists and know that he's waiting patiently and confidently to, to give you the insurance and to give you the commendation that you deserve, not because of what you've done, because of your faith in your gods. And is that not the same example for us today? As we find ourselves living in an increasingly hostile, corrupt, sinful, violent world. It's only through faith. It's only through drawing near to our God because of the assurance and the conviction that we have of who God is that we will receive our commendation, that we will be able to, to stand and withstand the barrage of life that happens to us. So we have to stop trusting in ourselves. We have to stop trusting in, in the, that, that, that our plan is better than God's plan, that my ways are greater than His ways. Because Enoch is telling us that, that, that a life of faith leads to commendation, not common condemnation. Now, we can get, right, and, and here's the challenge, because we can get commendation from the world, right? We, we, we can live a certain way, and we can get attaboys and high-fives from the world. But, man, it's, it's a moving target, right? The commendation that we get from this world, the standards that this world throws out, it's a moving target, right? Two words, cancel culture. It's a moving target. Believe that He exists and seek Him. Seek Him. So that means that as you seek your God, as you strive to, to walk with Him and to live a life that is pleasing to Him, Right? He is going to, out of love for you and grace for you and mercy for you, show you 
places and areas in your life where you need to change. You need to respond. Every time you respond, you're drawing near, right? You're drawing near to your God. And so we need to be encouraging one another. We need to be a church. We need to be a people that strives to to grow in Christ, to love like Christ, and to to live for Christ. You, You can't do it in isolation. You need to do it in community. We need to understand that as we take a stand and as we speak God's truth right into the world and into our culture, and it's ever-shifting, right, that we are going to be mocked, we're going to be called out. We could experience a lot of cruelty and, and hate and malice, but we believe that God exists, that He rewards those who seek Him. He's our hope. He is our peace. He is our rest. And one day, we'll be with Him for all of eternity. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank You for this morning. Lord, I thank You for the truth of Your words. Lord, I pray that we would strive to be a people that pleases You. Lord, that we would have a faith in You that is full of assurance and that's full of conviction. Lord, that we would believe that You exist and that You're a God who can be trusted, a God who is faithful, Lord, that we would seek after You. Lord, that we would be able to block the distractions and just the, the things that we maybe see and hear and pursue You and continue to draw near to You. You are our rock. You are all that we have in this world. Lord, so may we love and encourage one another to keep on keeping on and draw near to You and seek You because of who You are and what You have done. And I pray this all in Your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others. And for more information about Twin Villages Church, visit twinvillageschurch.org. Soli Deo Gloria.